You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By the University of Akron. Visit areyououtthere.com. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Good show lined up for you today. We'll take a look back at the week gone by. The home opening week for the Tribe. We'll visit with Michael Brantley, Indians outfielder, Tribe bench coach Brad Mills, head groundskeeper here at the ballpark, Brandon Kanke. And also take a look back at the ring ceremony on Tuesday as part of the home opener when the Indians receive their American League Championship rings. That's all coming your way shortly as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Time now for our Week in Review, and it starts on Tuesday with the home opener for the Tribe. Indians came back to town after opening the season with six on the road. They split those six games, looking to get back on the winning track on Tuesday against the White Sox. Carlos Carrasco was on the hill for the Indians, and he was off to a positive start in the first home game of 2017. Carrasco was a winner in his start in Arlington, Texas. Now his 2-2 pitch to Saladino. And strike three called on the outside corner. A delayed call by Will Little. Saladino is still at home plate arguing the call. And what Saladino is saying, you didn't call that pitch a strike earlier in the count, and then you ring me up with that pitch. So Saladino is out looking to start today's ballgame. And it didn't take long for the Indians to grab a lead thanks to their all-star shortstop, Francisco Lindor, in the bottom half of the first inning. The 2-1 pitch. Swung on, hit high! Deep to right! And there she goes! Francisco Lindor hit his fourth home run of this young season. Tops on the Indians' ball club. And he really teed off deep into the lower deck and right. And the first of what will be many standing ovations for Frankie Lindor in 2017. My goodness. Francisco Lindor is now leading the American League in home runs with a host of others. The White Sox tied things up in the fifth on a Todd Frazier home run off of Carrasco. But that was all that Carrasco would allow on this day. He got right back into the groove. Two down in the White Sox seventh game deadlocked at a run. 
Now the 2-2 delivery. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Boy, what a job by Carrasco today. Seven strikeouts so far through seven innings. It's stretch time at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Cleveland won. Chicago won. The White Sox did threaten in the top half of the eighth inning, but Yandy Diaz, more noted for his bat, made an outstanding play at third base. The outfield playing the other way toward right for the right-handed hitter. Medium deep at best. Infield drawn in for that play at the plate if there is one. Miller trying to handle it himself with a strikeout. He sets. He fires. Swinging a liner to third. Diving ground by Yandy Diaz. What a play to save the day. Diaz diving towards second. With the infield in. Rob Saladino of an RBI hit. And Yande Diaz playing third base like he's Travis Fryman. What a play by Diaz. Hardly any time to react when the infield is drawn in like that. And the very next hitter, Tim Anderson, well, he ran into the buzzsaw that is Andrew Miller. Miller comes set. He lets it fly. Swing and a miss. Got him with a back foot slider. Andrew Miller's done it again with a mammoth assist from Yandy Diaz. Indian Sox still tied at one, middle of the eighth. It was on to extra innings. Boone Logan and Brian Shaw took care of the White Sox in the top half of the tenth inning. Then it was the Indians' turn in the bottom half of the tenth. White Sox right-hander and flamethrower Tommy Canely throwing 100-mile-an-hour BBs struck out the first two Cleveland Indians, but then Frankie Lindor drew a two-out walk, and Michael Brantley stepped to the plate. Brantley only played in 11 games last year because of the shoulder. Batted 231, no homers, seven RBIs a year ago. Now the payoff pitch. Swing a line drive, base hit down the left field line. It'll head toward the corner. Lindor hits third. He'll try to score. Lindor's coming home. It's a game-winning double. Michael Brantley has come through. And welcome back, number 23. Walk-off win number one. And Michael Brantley who agonized all last season because he couldn't help this club win at all, has gone oppo with a game-winning double down the left field line and into the corner, and Lindor flying home from first with a winning run. And the Indians in 10 innings have today defeated the Chicago White Sox 2-1. to one. What a wild way to end what was an outstanding day, the home opener this past Tuesday here at Progressive Field. And the following day, Terry Francona checked in with Tom Hamilton on Indians warm-up, and they talked about the big win in the home opener. I know, it's only one game, but boy, it's nice to win the home opener, isn't it? You know, yeah, and you're right. It, it is one game, and you don't ever want to downplay it either, but it's one game. But with so much that went into yesterday, you know, so much of the emotion beforehand, you know, to play a game like that where there wasn't a lot of offense going on. And then when we did, we weren't able to push a run across. You know, we had a runner on second a couple times with nobody out. And we 
just, you know, we double plays or we, you know, didn't get it done. And then to win it the way we did, it was a good capper to a really special day. Also, the next day we had a chance to sit down with Michael Brantley and talk about his game-winning base hit, the start of the season, and much, much more. Obviously, he's in a much better spot than he was this time a year ago. Yeah, it was very special. Um, a lot of hard work went in this off season. I was coming to the field. You know, I was scheduled to come five days a week. I was coming six. And then the day that I stayed at home on Sundays, I did more work. Uh, just trying to get back for that home opener to play in front of your home fans again. Um, a lot of people helped me out throughout the way. And you know, I'm so thankful and so blessed just to be out there yesterday in front of our home fans again. And so it's the first walk-off win of, of this year, something that was common a year ago. You're, you're back in it. Your feelings about this team early on and what could be here in this summer? My feelings are great. We have a great group of guys. You know, most of the, all the guys came back. We added some great pieces that are going to help us along the way. Um, it's just exciting. We come to the field excited to play with one another. We all enjoy being around each other, and that's what's special about this group. Uh, and I haven't been on any other team, but uh, there's nowhere else I want to be. Michael, it was great to see you yesterday. An exciting moment to be sure. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Rosie. Appreciate it. That's Indians outfielder Michael Brantley, who is back in that lineup on a fairly regular basis, still getting some games off here and there, especially early in the season. But everything going very well for Brantley from a health standpoint, and that swing coming around as well. For the Indians, the week got tougher as it got deeper into the week as they lost a pair to the White Sox and then dropped a Friday night game to the Tigers in the opener of a weekend series. Brantley, however, did provide a spark on Wednesday, hitting his first home run since September of 2015. So he continues to swing the bat well and provide a spark for the Indians offensively in what so far has been a team that's really struggling offensively, especially coming up with the key hit with men in scoring position. Well, we hope you can stay with us. We'll continue on Tribe Talk with Indians bench coach and outfield instructor Brad Mills. He's coming your way next on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Indians trying to get back on the winning track on Saturday afternoon as they've dropped three in a row. And bear in mind, last year, in a year where they won 94 games, they never had a losing skid of more than three games. So that is on the line here this weekend against the Tigers. Well, the Indians have an outfield situation this year where there's a lot of moving parts in the early season. Early in the season with some player moves being made, Lonnie Chisenhall starting on the disabled list, then coming off, Tyler Naquin was optioned back down to AAA Columbus. That means some play in center field is open. And Chisenhall has gotten an opportunity to play out there since returning from the disabled list. It's made a busy man out of Indians bench coach and outfield instructor Brad Mills. And we had a chance to visit with the tribe bench coach on Friday and talk about some of the challenges in the outfield and why he thinks that Lonnie Chisenhall could be a very good center fielder as time goes by. Well, his quickness. Uh, number one, his reads off the bat are, are very good. They, uh, they've been very good, as we've all seen, in, in right field. And if he can, uh, and we know that he can be able to continue that in center field, which he's going he's gonna to have a better angle to see the ball off the bat in center field. 
Um, in this situation, uh, like what happened last night, uh, sometimes um, the, the ball straight over your head is the toughest one for any outfielder. And those two balls last night were straight over the back of his head. And, and if we can get in a situation where he's able to take his eye off the ball and run to that spot, which I think he has because he took the right field so well and has taken to uh, adjusting to the outfield so well that he's going to be able to do. Uh, you put those combined with his release and the strength of his uh, throwing arm, it's going to play extremely well in, in center field. When you look at him moving from third base to the outfield in general, it seemed like he was a quick study. And is that just a testament to his athletic ability, you think? Yeah, it is. There's no doubt. Um, you're exactly right. Plus, his, his desire to be good out there. I, I think that really uh, helps an awful lot. And he does a real good job of taking balls off the bat and batting practice and, and getting angles and so forth and working on those things. And, and that's what it takes every day to be able to come out and do that. So there's a, a young outfielder, so to speak, an experienced outfielder on your club is Michael Brantley. And we've talked so much about what he means to the lineup. But he's a pretty good outfielder, too. And here's a guy who, even with everything going on, trying to get back into the lineup hitting-wise, still works at his craft uh, fairly hard out in left field, doesn't he? He, he does, and he's he, he's so good, and he does a real good job. Um, you know, we, we we don't want to wear him down too much, you know, especially with the arm issues that he's had on his on his uh, right shoulder. That uh, we don't want to do too much, but at the same time, we want him to get used to the grass and and just getting back out there again, uh, for the most part, and being able to see balls off the bat, and which he does um, for one round of batting practice, and and he does do a very good job. There's no doubt, and. And we call him smooth because he is so smooth, uh, both at the plate and the outfield. So he's the one outfielder who has a, a fairly steady position out there in left field. It seems like the rest of the outfielders are moving around a little bit this season. How big a challenge can that be for, for the Geyers and the Almontes and others? It, it, it can, uh, depending on the individual, it can be more to some, less to some. Uh, the one thing that we have about the guys that are moving around this year for us is they'll get out and they're willing to talk about uh, the different scenarios of, of being in right and being left and the different challenges that th that causes. And then they go out and they'll work at it. Um, you get those type of situations, those guys are going to make the adjustments much quicker. And the work comes in, especially that first day of a new series in a new park. What do you do to try and get guys adjusted, even when it's coming back home here to Progressive Field? Well, obviously, uh, each field just has something. The, the grass is cut different. Um, the, the sight uh, of the ball coming off the bat is a little bit different. The sight when the ball goes up in the air is a little bit different. So in, in our pregame work, we try to get them used to that as much as possible. And we'll start on the ground and go back and forth and get them used to the, their grass. And, and when we do come back home, even though that they're used to being maybe on our home field here at Progressive, when you've been on the road for six, six to nine days on another field, they need to come back and get used to this one all over again. So they'll just take maybe a few balls until it, it'll click in, and then we'll go from there. All part of trying to put together a good defensive outfield behind an excellent pitching staff. Brad Mills, thanks so much for coming by. Thanks, Rosie. That's Indians bench coach and outfield instructor Brad Mills. Stay tuned. We'll have more of Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Well, we usually 
talk a ton of baseball on this show, but every once in a while we veer off of that path and expand our horizons. And being that time of year where a lot of folks are getting out and uh, making sure that their lawns are greening up nicely in uh, the late springtime here, well, we thought we'd bring in Brandon Kanke, the longtime groundskeeper, head groundskeeper here at Progressive Field. And uh, Brandon actually has been the head groundskeeper here since the ballpark opened in 1994. This past offseason, a brand-new grass-playing surface put in, and it looks great so far. And uh, It looked great on opening day, and it should hold up nicely as the season wears along. But the biggest key was getting that field in quickly after the season. And, of course, last year the season did not end at the end of September or early October. It ended in the early stages of November because of the Indians' tremendous run in the postseason that culminated in a Game 7 of the World Series in this ballpark the first week of November. But once that series was done, Brandon and his grounds crew, they went to work and changed out the field, got rid of the old field and put in some New turf, and it looks great. And uh, we talked to Brandon about the challenges with the World Series of starting a little bit later, but making sure that field got in properly before the snow flew in uh, the early winter time. There's always going to be a hiccup or two when you do a major project like that to a field. So, But I would say over the, the times we have done it over the years, it, it was a smooth, smooth job. Um, you're right. We didn't get started until I would believe it was the 5th of November um, once the World Series was over. And then there's a lot of other things to get prepped for before you actually get machinery in here to start taking the old sod out. So it was it was that was my biggest concern going in was what kind of weather, what kind of conditions we were going to have to get the old surface off the field, get it out of here. Um, uh, and then do all the things that you need to do to prep the field before you put sod down. It's just, it's not just rip the old out and, okay, okay, here comes a pallet of sod, and you, and you throw new stuff down. Um, there are other things that go into it. Uh, we tilled up the entire field at, at a depth of about uh, uh, four or five inches. We do that periodically for, to, to keep the drainage system working properly. Um, we replace some sand in some areas, root zone sand, um, um, that needed it. We, we, we uh, did some irrigation work. You know, so there were a lot of other things that went into just instead of just putting new sod down. There, there was a lot of things that we, we did. Um, uh, front to back, we did the job in nine days, nine working days. That, that's taken sod out, you know, all the other things we had to do, and then laying all the, sod, the new sod back down. We got it done in nine days. So um, from that standpoint, we were, I was very pleased at, at how it came out, all our stuff we had to do, you know, and then how the new, new side went back in. So kind of a long-winded answer, but, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with the whole process. For our listeners out there, we, we record this at a time of year where the green thumb and a lot of people comes out mm-hmm. as they try and get their lawns going. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you walk in here on opening day, and it's beautiful, just lush green grass. How do people get their grass going a little bit quicker than, than maybe they normally would? Any any trade secrets that you can pass along, or do you have to keep them secrets? No, I don't have to keep them secret. Maybe, you know, one of the simplest things is get the mower out there and cut it as quickly as possible. Because once you start cutting grass, then it wants to grow. Um, and that makes it want to green up faster. So 
So if you don't want to mow your lawn, leave it alone for a while? <laughs> exactly. A lot of people do that, too. <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that, too, Rosie. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I mean, that's just one little thing. But, you know, um, another big thing is, is fall, fall fertilizations. Um, doing things in the fall so that it's ready to go once soil temperatures bounce up, once the air temperature bounces up in the spring, um, so it already has fertilizer in the ground ready to, uh, ready to get to work. Feedback yet, especially from the infielders? Have, have you gotten any? Um, not really, but that's okay because no news is good news, right? Um, I, I've talked to a couple of them, and they said, yeah, all, all good, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. And, uh, and that, that's a daily thing. You, you, get fee- you try to get feedback, you know, once a homestand kind of thing. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with, uh, that they, uh, all thumbs up right now. And for those who want to make their lawn look like the ballpark, you get those nice lines, the, uh-huh. the straight lines. Uh, how do you do that? How often are you cutting the grass on a homestand? Uh, we we cut the grass every day on a homestand that, you know, that there's a game. Um, and the, the lines are strimp, simply a byproduct of the mower going one direction and coming back and going the other direction. Um, that, that's really all it is. And. I try to keep it a little bit vanilla here um, because the more patterns you put into the grass, the more grain you develop in the grass, and that does affect the role of the baseball. And that's what we don't want. Um, we don't want the ball wiggling through the outfield or, or you know, and I'll, somebody take their eye off it for a split second and then it moves on them. So I try to keep it somewhat vanilla but still have a pattern to it, still have a nice look to it. Uh, and but the bottom line is is keeping the ball rolling as true as possible. So you see a year like this year where it's a beautiful day for opening day. Last year was an absolute <laughs> mess. It was crunchy because of, of uh, freezing rain and that type of thing. Uh, a lot easier this year, or, or does every year present its challenges? Every year presents its challenges, um, and a lot of a lot of times it has really nothing to do with the field. It's all the other things that, that go into making the ballpark ready for a baseball game. Specific challenges this year, obviously, with the new field, you're always a little bit apprehensive and maybe a little more anxiety just because it's new and you don't want to, you want to make sure you don't miss anything. Um, and, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, mi- you really don't want to miss anything. So probably a little more apprehension from that point. Um, but but every year presents different challenges, different things to go through, and I, I think we've I think we've uh, we we got awful close to the bullseye this year. Yeah, you've been doing this a long time. Is it still fun? Oh, it's, I love it. It's a blast. I, I I enjoy coming to work every day. I enjoy coming to the ballpark every day, um, and I enjoy the challenges. I enjoy making sure that you know the little things are taken care of. And the players are happy with the product, and and they're happy with me and my staff and what we do. So, yeah, I I love my job. And for those who think that you're strictly worried about the length of the grass, making sure the field is smooth, you watch these games. You know who's good. You know who's very good. And we talk sometimes about the Hall of Fame and who should be in and who should not be in. You uh, you have some very strict opinions on that, don't you? <laughs> I love you, Rose. Yeah, I do have some strict opinions on it, and I can be a fan too. So um, my opinions are pretty high too. I, I I have always been one that that goes by those those benchmarks. You know, three thousand hits, 
3,000 strikeouts, 500 home runs, 300 wins. And it's hard for me to get off of those benchmarks. And it, it, someone would have to really be, you know, you know, you have the Sandy Koufaxes of the world that retire at a way before his time, you know. And, and but our so guy with a lot of discussion is Jack. <laughs> let's get Jack Morris out there. Let's get a name out there. So Jack Morris for you is no good. Or not, no, I'm sorry. I, I should oh. rephrase that. Jack Morris was a very good pitcher, had a oh, great God. career. But in your mind, not quite Hall of Fame worthy. Why not? And, Rosie, you're going to fall off your chair here, okay? <laughs> I thought about you a couple of times this winter, and I, I, I wish I could remember the show I was watching and the commentator. I really wish I could remember it was. But he made this case for Jack Morris that changed my mind. He's in now? He, In my opinion, based on the case that this guy made, uh-huh. it was so compelling for things that I didn't even think about. And I think I'm a pretty educated guy with regards to, you know, the 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 the, the, the stats books and, and all that good stuff. I, I was like, i got to get a hold of Rosie one of these days <laughs> and tell him I, I've, I've changed my mind. I think uh, i gotta I got to go with Jack Morris. So, so having said that, I hope the Veterans Committee puts him in. Wow, this—that's you huge, know, isn't it? As much as I enjoyed our conversation about the grass here at Progressive Field, this is breaking news, folks. We've had many <laughs> discussions about this uh, during batting practice and gone back and forth. But uh, that's good that you can be flexible. I, I thank you, and I, I thought about that too. I thought, you know what? I do have the ability to change my mind once in a while. <laughs> hey, Brandon, this was fun. Thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet, Rosie. Good seeing you. Always. Great topics of conversation with Brandon Kanke, the Indians' head groundskeeper here. He's been here since 1994 when this ballpark opened, and he does a great job, and the field looks absolutely tremendous here at the start of the season in 2017. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll take a look back at a special day on Tuesday here at the ballpark. Indians received their American League championship rings, and we'll give you some flavor of that when we return after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. And a couple of really nice things happened this week here at the ballpark. The ring ceremony as part of the home opener on Tuesday. Now that's an obvious one, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But also the Indians announcing the 18 recipients of the Larry Doby Youth Fund Grants. You may remember late last season it was announced that the Indians, uh, mainly manager Terry Francona, the coaching staff and players, and then many others in the Indians' front office, got together and donated a total of a million dollars in grants to what is now the Larry Doby Youth Fund. And this week they announced the recipients of that money. And, again, that fund was created by... Terry Francona, players, coaches, clubhouse support staff, front office, and also the general public could get involved. And uh, they did reach their goal of a million raised during uh, the postseason last year. So great work on the part of everybody who was a part of that. And here are some of the Youth Fund Grant recipients. America Scores Cleveland, an after-school soccer and journal writing program. Negro League Baseball Legends Hall of Fame, League Park Baseball History Youth Programming there. Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Greater Cleveland 
Bigs in Blue, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Clubs of Cleveland, Cleveland Peacemakers. That's a mentoring program for youth with police officers. The Cleveland Police Athletic League, great activities that engage police officers and youth. College Now, Greater Cleveland Incorporated. It's a college and career advising program for 600 John Adams High School students. East End Neighborhood House Association, Esperanza Incorporated, Friends of Breakthrough Schools, Golden Cyphers and Out-of-School-Time Programs, Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry, Ohio Guidestones, the Newbridge Cleveland Center for Arts and Technology, Partnership for a Safer Cleveland, Providence House, University Settlement Incorporated, and Youth Opportunities Unlimited. Great programs across the board, and a million dollars being split among those 18. And uh, great work again from the Larry Doby Youth Fund grants. All the brainchild of Indians manager Terry Francona and uh, the ballplayers uh, in that Indians clubhouse jumped on board in a hurry. And so did a lot of folks in the Indians' front office. So uh, great work on behalf of all involved. And, of course, great work on the field last October as the Indians won the American League pennant, took uh, the World Series to Game 7, but the American League championship rings were presented on Tuesday as part of the home opening ceremonies. Tom Hamilton was a big part of that. He was down on the field. And uh, let's listen in to, to some of the color and pageantry of that ceremony. Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, Ohio, getting the 2016 campaign underway. Swung on, belted, deep left center, gone to the bleachers. Mike Napoli with his first Cleveland Indians hit, home run, RBI, into the line. Here it comes. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Kluber shuts up the Detroit Tigers. Swung on. Ground ball to short. Lindor's up with it. Throws to first. In time. And the Indians have done it. They have won their 14th in a row. A new franchise record on a game for the ages in Toronto. And Lindor swings and grounds one into right field. It's a game-winning base hit. This relentless pursuit. You're thinking more than just playoffs, folks. A swing and a drive to deep right. Nate moves around second. He's on his way to third. He'll try to score. Here's the throw. Not in time. Lindor edging off the pitch. A swing and a drive to deep left. Away back. You talk about MVPs. What a year for the kid. The end of the line, the one-two pitch. A swing and a miss. Ball game. And once again, Cleveland, you will have an October to remember. Swung on, hit high, deep to right center. There she goes. And the Indians have their first lead in the playoffs. He makes the catch, and the sweep is complete. Just keeps delivering. Now 13 shutout innings. Here's the 2-2 offering. Swing and a miss on another nasty slider. What a weapon Andrew Miller is. Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the 
American League pennant. Swung on and blasted. Deep left field. Away back. Gone. Wow, what a game for Perez. Swung on, pounded. Deep right field. It's got a chance. Gone. There's a game breaker. Jason Kipnis. Oh, what a night for the Chicago kid. The most magical words in sports. Game seven. World Series. Swung on, line to deep left field. It is gone. We are tied. What an incredible World Series. What a season, folks. Can't wait for next year. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn your attention to the right field plaza as 23-year season ticket holder John Goodman helps raise the 2016 American League Championship flag. And now, Tribe fans, let's return to the field and join the voice of the Indians, entering his 28th season of calling Cleveland Indians baseball games on the Indians radio network throughout Northeast Ohio. Here's Tom Hamilton with today's American League Championship ring ceremony. Thank you, Bob. And thanks to you folks. What a year you folks had as well. Thanks for all the support. Are you ready for a little baseball? How about another magical run deep into October? Well, before we move forward here in 2017, we are honored to have so many of you here today as the Indians players and the staff officially receive their 2016 American League Championship rings. It is certainly one of the most memorable seasons of baseball this city has ever witnessed. And you saw so many of the highlights capped off with one of the greatest moments in the history of this ballpark when Brandon Geyer got an RBI double in the eighth inning to bring the Indians to within two, and then Rajay Davis hit a home run for the ages. It is certainly an honor for me and all of us to be a part of this great organization and to introduce one of the most prominent members of our executive team, the chairman and the CEO, Paul Dolan. Thank you, Tom. Speaking on behalf of Cleveland Indians ownership and the entire Dolan family, we are honored to be part of this ceremony celebrating one of the most memorable seasons in the history of our franchise. We are incredibly proud of our entire organization, from our front office employees and staff to the trainers and scouts and coaches and players who collectively, through perseverance and dedication, gave us an absolutely amazing season. Also amazing was the support you, the fans, provided this team during the postseason, rallying together. You filled Progressive Field and out there in Gateway Plaza, providing further evidence to the world that Cleveland is a community filled with pride and energy. The 2016 season was an absolutely incredible journey that we took to the absolute end and then a little bit further. The ending wasn't exactly what we hoped for, but we are left with tremendous memories, lifetime memories, and the hope that this year will be the year we take that last little step. But 
before we get after it, we're going to take this moment to celebrate this team's accomplishment, the American League champions' accomplishment, by presenting them with the 2016 American League championship rings. I have the honor to lead off this ceremony by awarding rings to two individuals, two extraordinary individuals, the chief architects of our championship team, president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, and general manager, Mike Chernoff. Congratulations, and thank you, men. And now please welcome the man that made it happen on the field. He has guided this team to four straight winning seasons. Twice, including last year, the American League Manager of the Year, without question, a future Hall of Famer, Terry Francona. Ladies and gentlemen, your 2016 American League champs. Now just one more bit of pageantry before we get this season underway here at home. Please turn your attention to the right field upper deck where Jim Francis, a 24-year Indian season ticket holder, will help unveil the 2016 American League pennant. So there it is, and, and I know Terry Francona talked about it on Tuesday. Important to remember and reflect and look back on what was a great time in 2016, the run through the postseason for the Indians. And uh, now they're trying to flip that page and get 2017 rolling. It's been a rocky start for the Indians in terms of consistency, but uh, they're trying to get there in different phases of the game. And uh, we'll see if they can turn it around here today against the Detroit Tigers uh, weekend series with uh, Saturday afternoon at 4.05, game two of that series. And it concludes, the homestand concluding as well, on Sunday afternoon at 1.10. That's going to do it for this edition of Tribe Talk. We will join you next week from Chicago. The Indians will be playing the White Sox next weekend, so we'll join you from the Windy City for another edition of Tribe Talk next weekend. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network.